Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM, where we talk to business leaders and experts to gain valuable insights that will help you move your business forward. Hello and welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM. I'm Philip Kruger. I'm a director in the legal department of RSM and I'm joined today by my colleague Hink Heymans, a director in the audit department of RSM. And today, I think we're going to be having a discussion, uh, particularly around the disclosure of directors' remuneration and uh, then uh, the particular items there in respect of what challenges our clients are facing, what needs to be disclosed, and really why we have these requirements as to disclosure. And of course, as we know, it's all focused around Section 30 of the Companies Act, and more particularly then Section 30 sub 4, sub 5, and sub 6 of our Companies Act. So as of late, there has been some differences in interpretation. We have seen some uh, guidance coming from SIPSI in that regard, also some guidance coming from URBA in that regard. And uh, we're going to be focusing on all of those items today. So why is disclosure of director's remuneration a problem? Why are our clients really facing challenges with this? So King 4 motivates that the director's disclosure of remuneration is really a mechanism where it's acknowledged that the board must have fair and responsible practices considering the company's corporate citizenship and transparency in respect of how directors and prescribed officers' uh, remuneration is structured. King also then acknowledges that Remuneration really should be there to attract and motivate, reward and retain human capital, to promote achievement of strategic objectives, and also to promote positive outcomes, promote an ethical culture and responsible corporate citizenship. However great that sounds, there's a lot of contrast in those objectives stated by Kingful. Because often, to attract, motivate, reward, and retain human capital is not that easy if you have to make sure that you are doing so in a manner that promotes strategic objectives, that makes sure that there's positive outcomes coming from that, and in a manner that promotes an ethical uh, culture within the organization. It's not always that easy to juggle all of these balls and find a balance. But essentially, the reason why we need the disclosure is to ensure transparency and to ensure that there's fair and responsible dealings between the companies, its directors, and its prescribed officers. So having said that, Henk, in your view, what needs to be disclosed in terms of directors' remuneration? Yeah, well, I'm going to give you what the Companies Act says. Uh, What needs to be disclosed is very specific in the Companies Act. Before I go through that, I just want to highlight something quickly. The Companies Act says prescribed officers and directors. So if any of our listeners are not aware or not familiar with the concept of a prescribed officer, a prescribed officer is someone who is not a director by name or by title or not even registered at SIPC, so not an official director, but they fulfill the duties that directors do. If you have a specific situation in your company where you have someone like that and you are uncertain of that, you can look at the Companies Act. There's a definition for prescribed officers, but even speak to our colleagues in our legal department and they'll be able to assist you. So it's just a warning before I start on what needs to be disclosed. The question is, who does it need to be disclosed for? And the Companies Act says prescribed officers and directors, 
And remember also, it includes directors who are also directors of group companies. So it doesn't help if you just look at the disclosure in this one company. If this director is also a director of other companies in the group, then you may have to disclose that as well. Again, get professional advice on that because it depends on where they are and which jurisdiction the company is registered and so on. But I just wanted to say that at the outset, it goes very wide. And then what needs to be disclosed? That is in the Companies Act, those sections that Phil referred to, those sections say what needs to be disclosed. And I, I've seen a couple of people taking some liberty as far as the disclosure is concerned. So I've seen some people just lumping all the director's remuneration in one. Or also what we've seen in the past is people saying director A, director B, director C, without giving the actual director's names. Obviously, SIPC has caught on to that and they have said, no, we need to disclose the minimum information and this is what it shall look like. They issued a practice note, uh, SIPC Notice 38. It was issued a couple of, maybe three or four years ago, I forget, where they say exactly what should be disclosed and they even give an example. First of all, they said no aggregation. You have to split it up per director. You're not going to add directors together and say all the executive directors and X and the non-executive directors and Y. No, you have to put it per director. And also, you're not going to say director A so much and director B so much. No, you have to say director P Kruger so much, director H Haymans so much. What do you need to disclose then? You need to split it up in different categories, unfortunately. Uh, you need to show the basic, the basic salary that the director is getting. You also then need to show the benefits. And the, uh, the minimum that you need to show is retirement and medical benefits. You can put them in one category, retirement and benef medical benefits received by the director. Then other benefits is the next category. Then cash incentives is another category. And the last category that is prescribed is benefits received from the exercise of options by those directors. So those categories, those five categories that I just gave you, compulsory, you have to put it in those categories. If someone did not receive remuneration, you have to say that. The, the SIPC notice actually says, if someone received zero remuneration, you have to put there, Director H. Haymans did not receive remuneration by this company. If he received remuneration from a group company, then you have to put that in. So there's going to be a lot of double counting there. Um, so it's very specific what needs to be disclosed. And you will see that in that practice note, you will even, or the, the SIPC notice, you'll even see an example of how it is disclosed. Now, obviously, this all sounds good. And I think you've heard what Philip said in the beginning, that it is all in the interest of transparency and good disclosure and all of that. But there's a lot of companies out there, a lot of our clients are entrepreneurs, their main uh, objective is not necessarily to attract new directors. So they're not interested in that. They might not even have outside stakeholders. Maybe it's a family-owned company and it's owned by the directors who are also all the shareholders, who are also all the stakeholders because they don't owe anybody anything and uh, the only other stakeholders receive of revenue. So we have had a couple of questions from some of our clients that are not so happy with this development that director's remuneration has to be disclosed because they're not all big companies. Maybe, Phil, if you can go through a couple of the questions that you've had in the legal side, and then after that, I'll fill in a few that we've got on the audit side as well. 
Absolutely, Hink. And uh, I can echo that sentiment. And and I think, you know, that that is probably the biggest question that we get on the legal side is, you know, the nature of my business is not such that I need to comply with King Fraud disclosures, that I need to ensure that there is this principle of transparency. My business doesn't have a big board uh, that we need to make sure that all of the remuneration is disclosed. So, so those would typically be challenges that clients are facing. And then, of course, with the amount of detail that is required in respect of these disclosures, one of the big questions we get is, what about privacy? What about the Protection of Personal Information Act and uh, whether this applies to to, uh, director's remuneration disclosure? And of course, the answer to that would be that, yes, you have your rights in terms of the uh, the protection of your personal information and certainly your financial information and how your your remuneration package is structured is very personal information. But Poppia also allows for entities to process and disclose information as is required by South African law. So as long as the interpretation uh, of the Act is such that this disclosure is required by law firstly, and that that amount of detail is required by law secondly, that it would not infringe on your right to privacy if those disclosures are being made. And it becomes part and parcel then of holding a certain position within a certain organization. So so certainly privacy is a massive issue that um, our clients are dealing with. And unfortunately, there's no easy answer there. Um, You would not be able to rely on your rights in terms of popia to say that I refuse to have my information disclosed in that regard, as it is national legislation requiring that disclosure to be made. Of course, some of the other challenges that clients are facing is with this principle of balance and this principle of fairness. Uh, There is always this argument, and King Four also does acknowledge the argument to say that there has in the past been a very large difference between the remunerations, uh, remuneration levels within organizations. So typically we would see boards who are very well remunerated. And then as you go down the line, those remuneration packages become less and less lucrative, which leads to this perceived, uh, well, in some cases it would be real, but quite often a perceived unfairness or unreasonableness in respect of the remuneration packages. And quite often the answer to to, to clients in that regard would be that one of the the express objectives of remuneration is to also still be able to attract, motivate, retain and reward your human capital. And if your industry norm is such that your director's remuneration is justifiable uh, within that industry norm and within the industry figures, then you should be able to put that forward as a defense against allegations that you are remunerating unfairly. But having said that, in order to raise that defense, you need to properly be able to, 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 to motivate it and you need to be able to, to really defend it on a commercial basis. So you need to make sure that you consider it, you apply your mind to it, and that it is indeed justifiable on that basis. Hink, from your side. Yeah, so the bottom line is it's not going away. 
Um, it's uh, what you're saying, Phil, is transparency is definitely a good requirement and you can't hide behind privacy. It's not a case of hiding behind it, but privacy is a big issue, as you said, but it's not going away. So where is this going? Phil mentioned uh, the whole concept of inequality or different remuneration between different stakeholders. And you can see that our stakeholders, be it the shareholders, the employees, even the creditors, are asking more and more questions. Um, some of you might have noticed in the press also these uh, King Four introduced this concept of the non-binding advisory vote. Basically, what it means is at the AGM, the remuneration uh, structure is put to the shareholders for voting. The vote doesn't bind anyone. That's why it's called a non-binding vote. So if the shareholders vote against the remuneration policy, then it doesn't mean that the directors have to go back to the drawing board, but the directors, if, the, if more than 25% of the shareholders vote against it, there are certain requirements that the directors have to explain and there's a process. But more important than that is what we are learning from these votes. If you follow it in the press, you'll see that these non-binding advisory votes, the numbers are going down. Um, we haven't seen a lot under 75% yet, so that's still okay. But in the past, it was always 100%. It was always, oh, you know, the directors put this in front of the shareholders and they just rubber stamp it. Now, it's not like that anymore. You can see, um, I don't have the latest statistics, but I've seen one the other day of 83% and so on. Now, that's an indictment on the on the directors, and they need to explain if the if 17% of the shareholders don't agree with, with the way that they're going. Yes, it is a minority, but it's a concerning minority. Um, so they're asking questions. And yeah, unfortunately, we have to, uh, not unfortunately, yeah, I think transparency is a good thing. Fortunately, we have to comply. It is a challenge for the smaller companies. We're uh, much closer, much more closely held. We, uh, maybe there's a competitive edge to be had. There's a lot of privacy uh, involved. It is a challenge for the smaller companies. But there, I would say compliance is the only way to do it. Speak to us rather, speak to an expert in the legal department or someone in our advisory department that can help you to disclose it properly, to structure it properly, to make sure that at least you're on the right side of the law, that you do it correctly. We are never going to cut corners or anything. We just want to make sure that you disclose what should be disclosed. No more, no less. And obviously, in the spirit of good corporate governance to disclose everything, to be transparent and show that we are good corporate and national citizens. Um, that's all from my side. If there are any questions, please contact us. Uh, thank you very much for me, Inc. Heimans, and then uh, Phil, for you to say goodbye as well. Thank, thank you very much. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with your sentiments more. I think transparency is a great thing. Um, and by the same token, it's a process that needs to be managed. Thank you for listening. That was Conversations in Business with RSM. Experience the power of being understood. Experience RSM. Visit rsmza.co.za.